Welcome back to the Worldview Minute. As we answer the question, who is man or what is man, we now have to talk about which is really at the tip of the spear in our day today, and that is the idea of sex, biological sex. Our society is so utterly confused, so utterly ignorant about what sex is that we really have started to believe, at least if you're educated, which really you wouldn't be, you can only be this dumb if you're really highly educated, that men and women don't really exist, that they're just cultural uh, categories that we place upon one another, that the actual biological parts don't mean anything. It's like, if only we had a word that we could use to describe someone who is biologically this way or biologically that way. Oh wait, we do, male or female, men or women. And Christianity puts forward this idea, beginning in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, and then again in chapter 2, that God created humanity, male or female. In his own image, he made them. So we start with this fundamental assertion that male and female are equal. Both men and women bear the image of God. And as God says, I have made them in my own image, he then gives them a job to do, to be fruitful, to multiply, and to go forward and to fill and subdue the earth. So part of what it means to be human is to be a man or a woman, to get married, to have kids, and to fill the earth. This idea of having godly offspring is all throughout Scripture. Genesis 3, God promises the overthrow of Satan through the offspring of the woman, through having children. In Genesis 12, 15, 17, with his covenant with Abraham, God promises Abraham that he will have a son, and that Abraham will have offspring so numerous that it will be greater than the sky. God promises King David that he will have an offspring, a child, who will sit upon his throne forever. God's plan for saving the world always involved having children. This is why all throughout the Bible that you see that Satan, as he works against God's people, seeks to prevent that. He seeks to pervert the sexual relationship between men and women, and he seeks to have children killed, whether through child sacrifice to Moloch or today through abortion. God, our Satan has always been against having children. God has always been pro-children, that children are a blessing, an inheritance from the Lord. This is the creational norm that God has made, that men and women should marry and that they should have children. And we see this picked up in Genesis 2. So even though Genesis 1, we see that on the sixth day, God made men and women, and we sometimes say that's the pinnacle of the creation account, and it's the pinnacle of the Genesis 1 creation account, but I actually think the pinnacle of the creation account is found at the end of chapter 2. Because what we have is, is Adam living there in the garden, and God says that there's actually something missing, something lacking in his creation, and it is that man, Adam, is alone. That it is not good that man should be alone because God has made man to be in relationship, not just only with him, but with one another, just as God is in relationship with himself in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, that you are a creational and a communal being, that you are made to be in relationships with one another. This is why solitary confinement is a horrible punishment for people. This is why lockdowns are a horrible punishment for people because you are made to be in community. Men need women, women need men. And as the story in chapter 2 unfolds in Genesis, as they look for a helper suitable for Adam, none can be found in the created order. The animals don't match. And what does it mean that we're looking for a suitable helper? Well, primarily in the text, it is for someone to help Adam to fill and subdue the earth. It is a sexual partner that will fit Adam. That is what they are looking for. And so God causes a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and out of Adam's rib, God makes Eve. And here comes the pinnacle of the creation account. Adam wakes up, he looks upon the woman, and he breaks out into poetry. And his jaw hits the floor. He says, she is beautiful. 
She is altogether good, holy, righteous, and desirable. Women like to be called beautiful. Why? Once from the very beginning, God, he says, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And then we read that for this reason, a man shall leave his parents and hold fast to his wife, cling to his wife, that the two shall become one flesh. This is at the heart of creation. God made man and he made woman and they are incomplete without one another. And even though each individually bear the image of God, the image of God is more fully seen in the union, in the union of male and female. Now, Robert George, the political philosopher at Princeton University, he put it this way, right? You have a neurological system, a nervous system. You have a respiratory system. And you have that individually as a person, whether you're male or female. You have all of these individual systems that fully function on their own within your body. But you do not have a reproductive system. You have half of a reproductive system. Whether you're a man or a woman, the other sex is needed for your reproductive system to actually fully function. It is a creational norm, right? You can look at nature without God's uh, scripture here, and you can see that biologically, male and female are created for one another. The parts are designed to fit to one another and to produce children. Children are a part of the plan of sexuality, despite what, despite what the sexual revolution says, that they are one of, if not the main purpose of human sexuality is to reproduce. And we can see this in the animal kingdom as well that all mammal species have male and female. We don't get all bent out of shape about gender and, and all that with, uh, with, other, with animals, but we for some reason do with people. And really this goes back to the idea of gender. Uh, other Christian thinkers have pointed this out and it needs to be said. If you go back a couple generations, no one would talk about gender unless you were talking about language. Gender was originally a language term. It was started to be introduced by these people seeking to deconstruct the West and deconstruct really life in a whole, that gender and sex were separate. And now that gender has been has replaced sex, it's now devouring sex. If only, again, we had that word that could describe biological sex, a way we do, male or female. So what we have here is this idea that the Bible puts forward that men and women were made, they're equal, and they're complementary. They are different. Shocker, right? Women can have children, men cannot, whether that gets me canceled or not. Men cannot have children. Women can. If you hate having children, then you are raging against at least one thing that it means to be a woman. It is you who hate women if you hate having children. If you think that that is less than being a woman, then you are, in fact, hating on women and what it means, at least in one way, not reducing women only to childbearing, but at least in one way, what it means to be women or a woman. Let's make, let's make a couple applications here, because I've, I've mentioned already in this who is man thing that we have this obsession today with trying to find who I am. We've been set off on the search that you need to find your truest self. And the trans movement has come in and said that you can find your truest self and you can determine your sexuality, you can determine your gender, you can get surgeries, you can take puberty blockers, and you can chop off your body parts. And we should chop them off of our children as well. In other more sane ages, we'd call that child abuse, because it is. You don't mutilate children and say that it is for their good. And what we have here is this idea that we can determine who we are. But the reality of the matter is, is that is just an attempt to replace God with ourselves. So much of who you and I are is given to us by God, even before birth at conception, when you will be born, who your parents are, your, your ethnicity, the age you are born into, the country you are born into, your skin color, your height, uh, your eye color, all of these things are given to you by God, including your sex, male or female. Now, yes, there are birth defects. There are things that go wrong. 
right? Some people are born with six fingers. Some people are born without a body limb, but that doesn't negate the norm. The norm is that there is male and there is female. Birth defects do exist. Those people are still fully image bearers of God, but that does not negate the rule that men are, that humanity is either male or female. And whatever God gives you is a good gift. And you will be blessed in this life, at least in some way, if you learn to live out your maleness or your femaleness to the glory of God instead of raging against it and trying to change something that you fundamentally do not have the power or the ability to change. We are not autonomous. We are not God. We cannot just choose who we are. A lot of that is given to us, and then we are able to choose how we live that out, how we are to express what the good things that God has given us. And that's the second point that we need to make here. Sex was God's idea. The pinnacle of the creation account in Genesis 2 is the physical oneness, the physical sexual union between the husband and his wife. Sex was God's idea. Sex is a good thing. Sex is not dirty. It is something that God has created as a blessing for mankind. And the church for too long has whispered about it or refused to talk about it or to treat it as something less than, something that is not holy. But no, there you have in the unfallen world, God created male and female. They come together in a one flesh union and it is good. Yes, this can be corrupted. Yes, it can be abused. And it's ugly when it is. But sex was God's idea. God made them male and female. This is a good thing. It is a blessing that God has given to us. That's a pillar of the Christian worldview and a pillar of who humanity is. I encourage you to like, comment, and share on this video or this podcast as we continue to look at what the Christian worldview has to say for how we live, how we think, and how we go about our lives.